Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the blind, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won the grand final. It's got the ball. Jared Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Got an extremely exciting guest on today. Uh, he was a guy that just lit the NRL world alight in the season 2005, Tim Smith. Um, he was a rookie coming into the Parramatta Eels side, playing halfback, and just he did stuff that season that we've never seen before. I don't think we're ever going to see again, and we certainly haven't seen it since. Um, Tim Smith debuted in 2005 with the Eels. And that season, he came up with 40 tri-assists. 40 tri-assists. Just unbelievable. Um, just that year, he was just on another level to everyone else. To think he was in his first year of first grade, it was just unbelievable to watch. He, um, You know, his career didn't unfold as um, most expected it to. Um, you know, he had a lot of struggles with mental health, which he speaks about, and a lot of other challenges surrounding his football career. Um you know, living in Sydney and with the media attention, you know, he goes into how he handled that and just, yeah, he's he just had a pretty tough gig. He had all the talent in the world and I think that um, you come in with that much expectation, you know, he was in his first season of first grade and people were comparing him to Peter Sterling and saying he's the saviour for Parramatta and, you know, it's just not a fair comparison and, you know, Tim's got an amazing story to tell and I know, you know, when you, whenever you mention the name Tim Smith, people sort of think, you know, he, he's got a certain stigma to how he went about his, his football and off the field. And for me, you know, getting to talk to him and getting to know the sort of bloke he is, he's an amazing fella. Uh, you know, football isn't the be-all and end-all of life. And Tim's moved on after footy and has just got an amazing life set up for himself down in Melbourne got two kids, lovely wife, and just a fantastic little family down there. Tim touches on his rookie season, you know, how he handled it all and how he handled the seasons after that, and advice that he'd give to any young fellas coming through the NRL over the next few years that start off with a season like he did with a heap of expectation. Uh, He also talks about in his rookie season the day he played Joey Johns, and uh, he mouthed off early to Joey, and fuck, Joey made him pay for it. That's a cracking yarn from Tim. 
And he also talks about another story, uh, a bit of an interesting one. He uh, he was out one night and uh, had a clash with a uh, future Australian cricket captain. Another interesting story that um, it's good to hear it from Tim's side because the media side that you heard of it was very different to the actual events. He touches also on his time in England uh, and his time that he spent under numerous coaches, you know, from Brian Smith to uh, Ricky Stewart, to Jason Taylor. You know, he had a real vast experience of a few different coaches that have had great success over the years and some that have been quite polarising characters. So it's good to hear Tim's uh, point of view on those guys. It's a cracking chat with an absolute champion fella in Tim Smith. Let's kick it off. Tim Smith, he fires out a pass for Hendo. Tim Smith, welcome on, mate. How are we travelling? Yeah, good, buddy. Uh, how are you going? Yeah, all going good. It's uh, there's not much doing at the moment, is there? No, uh, we're uh, we're all cabin cabin fevered out down here, mate. Whereabouts are you at the moment, mate? Where where are we living? Uh, a place called South Morang down in Melbourne, mate. About half an hour uh, from the city, so yeah, not too bad down here. How have you uh, How have you found your way down to Melbourne? Uh, my wife, she's from Melbourne, so uh, when I finished playing, mate, I uh, I had a choice to make, and uh, unfortunately, the missus won out. It's an argument you can't win, isn't it? Yeah, well, we, we were thinking about going, um, obviously, near the beach somewhere, either up towards, um, like, around Ballina or down towards Wollongong, so either end, but um, she wanted to come home, so that's what we did. Mate, I believe you're, uh, you're a Queensland boy, yeah? You're f- from the Gold Coast? Yeah, so I was born in South Brizzy, mate, um, and then uh, moved out to Ipswich for a few years, and then uh, me and the the old girl moved down to the coast when I was about five or six. So yeah, Goldie's Goldie's home, mate. So how did you end up uh, at the Eels? Um, it was funny because um, I had a few offers from clubs, and um, my uh, my stepfather he was uh, a mad um, para supporter. And um, I said, if Parra come knocking on the door, that uh, I'd uh, I'd go there. And um, I remember a recruitment officer up on the Goldie was from Parra, and he come and had a chat to me and um, introduced me to Noel Cleal, and it went from there, mate. And that is the icing on the cake when it comes to the performance of Tim Smith. His, his long ball cutout pass, his first season, he threw two passes that took my breath away. They were that good. Mate, that 2005 season, you must you must just pinch yourself when you look back on it. Yeah, well, it's a long time ago now, mate. But um, yeah, it was a good year. Obviously, um, you know, we finished. I think we finished minor premiers that year, and um, you know, we had a very good squad. You know, um, but uh, unfortunately, we uh, we couldn't get the get the goods at the end, mate. We we got hammered by Thurston and his Cowboys. <laughs> On uh, in that prelim, which was uh, probably the worst thing of 05. <laughs> Mate, I'll, um, I'll, I'll bring you back to that game in a minute, but I just want to know your first grade debut. Um, who did you come up against and what was the uh, what was the feeling surrounding the week leading up to it? Yeah, so we played uh, the Tigers at, um, I think it was ANZ Stadium, and um, I'd been done pretty much the whole preseason at training as a halfback. Um, so I sort of knew that, you know, I was going to get a crack if I played well in the trials, and um, yeah, I, I was. I suppose I was. I was a bit nervous, but I'm a sort of kind of pretty easygoing kind of fella. So, um, 
family was down, and um, yeah, we won that game, and it was uh, yeah, it was it was a good start to to that year. Mate, forty tries later, you take out the rookie of the year. You beat a pretty handy footballer by the name of Greg Inglis. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, if we. We were very lucky, you know. I was I was blessed that I had um, a very good team to come into. Um, you know, the likes of um, you know the High Marshes, the Kalises, um, I think we had Tamana there, Bert, um, even guys like the late Chad Robinson, the Glenn Robinson, um, Glenn Morrison, sorry, um, Daniel Wagon. Like, you know, we had stars everywhere, and I just happened to um, you know be wearing the seven at the time, but. Um, you know, I put a lot into my game early on and, um, you know, uh, it just sort of come off that year for me, which was good. Mate, you formed an incredible combination that year with uh, Eric Groth out on your left wing. Tell me about that little combo. Um, I, I wish I could tell you something really good, but, mate, it wasn't. It was just, if you know Eric, he's a bit of a space cadet. Um, but, um, yeah, I... I don't know. It was just maybe we're on the same wavelength, um, but yeah, he uh, he just got a few little kicks that I, that I was onto every now and then, and um, yeah, I don't, I, honestly, I, it just happened. So yeah, I can't give you too much more, mate. Speaking of being on the same wavelength, I'm sure there'll be some stories here. Tell me about your good mate, mate Mark Piggy Riddell. Yeah, so. Um, I think that was the first year Piggy come um, over, you know, five and, um, <coughs> excuse me, and, um, yeah, like I'd, I hadn't heard much of uh, Piggy beforehand, you know, and um, yeah, he come over and uh, he's actually a really smart footballer, you know. He um, he was a bit of a bit of a leader around the joint. Um, well, definitely on the field. Um, off the field might have been a different story, but um, he uh, – he was a smart footballer and um, learned a lot of him. Um, and, yeah, we definitely had some good times off it as well. Mate, I, I assume that year, you know, you would have come up a lot of guys that, as a young bloke, you would have looked up to. Who was the most daunting player to come up against in that first season? I think I've said in the past, obviously, um, you know, when I was a young fella, I, um, I looked up to Joey being, obviously, my position. And, um, you know, he was he was the best running around at the time. Um so him and obviously all those halves, you know, like Freddie and, and Lockie, they're all the best at that time in that era where I was sort of coming through. And um, but yeah, when we when we did play Newcastle, I still remember um, it was at um, Paris Stadium, and I think I mouthed off and said something, and uh, we, Joey said to me, uh, "Just beware this set," in, in different terms, of course, and. Um, I think I had Kennedy, Simpson, um, McDougal, the whole lot of them just run at me that whole set. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, pleasant. Fuck, it he, he would have made it a uh, tough day at the office for you. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd never, uh, I never tried to sledge uh, him or Newcastle, I think, while he was playing again. Brewster Sterling still barking instructions to them. Erickson back to Sterling. Sterling, Sterling on his own. Sterling looking for a hat-trick. Can he get there? Tim, you know, speaking of great halfbacks, when you think back to that 2005 season, like I just remember the comparison between you and Peter Sterling was just being thrown around what seemed like weekly. How do you feel as a young bloke you handled that sort of pressure on your shoulders? I think obviously they were throwing that out and I think mainly only because maybe, um, you know, we were doing so well at the time. Um, 
you know, I was definitely not in that league, you know, no one should be sort of compared to someone that, that great so soon. And um, to be honest, I probably, I think with myself, I didn't worry about too much what other people thought. I'm, I put so much pressure on myself and I probably think that was me downfall in the end, you know, I, I was a very bad critic um, on myself and, um, but yeah, like I said, I was very lucky to be in a, in a good team. Mate, he's uh, he's coached, you know, a million teams. So a lot of guys that I've spoken to from from your era and just before you have been coached by Brian Smith, and he seems to be quite a uh, polarizing character. How did you find Brian Smith? Uh, yeah, I suppose um, that first year I was um, I was very lucky um, because uh, if you ask most people, he's a very um, very smart coach. Um, and um, I think for me, he was the best thing for me to come through that first year. Um, you know, he sort of gave me a bit of a free reign um, in in what I saw I played. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I haven't got really a bad word to say about him, you know. I, I um, He helped me at that first point of my career. And, um, you know, I did have him in my last year as well over at Wakefield where um he come over and did a brief stint and, I think he ended up keeping Wakefield up. So, um, yeah, I had him at the start and at the end. So, yeah, it was uh, a bit of a fitting way to end, I suppose. Back to that uh, back to that semi-final. Um, you know, when you look back on that year and you think 2005 when JT won the Dally M and yourself, you had 40 try assists. Like, it was just an unbelievable year for the two of you. Parramatta came in with the minor premiership. Like, did you know on that day that there was something not right? Um, oh, we were we were confident going uh, going into the game. Um, I think there was a, a point in the game though where um, I put a cross field kick across. It was early on. We had a lot of pressure on them, and um, it just went over Guru's fingertips, and, and it actually went out on the full. And you know, if it was a, probably a thirty centimeters shorter, we probably would have um, we probably would have scored. But um, I just felt after that, it sort of turned you know and and once um Thurston and and Bowen at the time they just uh they got a sniff mate and and off they went mate I um I watched the game just a few weeks ago and I know the exact kick you're talking about to Eric Growth and fuck it just seemed all year they they just landed in the right spot for you and Growth just got hands to it it just it, it, it just put you on the wrong foot didn't it yeah, and and you know, to this day, whenever I, uh, I speak to Guru or, or if I see him, he um he still blames me for uh, not making that grand final. So it's a bit of a laugh, and um, but yeah, it, it probably it's probably true, mate. Yeah, if it lands in his hands, you know, it could have been, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't. Mate, let's say the NRL is back up and running next year, and um, a young halfback comes in and you know is the rookie of the year and sets the NRL alight like like you did in two thousand and five. Be your words of warning to them, like coming into the future. Oh, mate, you know, well, I suppose for me, you know, um, after that first year, um, I maybe got carried away with um, a few other things in in uh, in my life, and and didn't knuckle knuckle down as probably much as I should. Um, so, you know, if if you're having a good year in that first year, you know, you've got to work harder um, that next year, and. Um, you know, I probably didn't realise that until I, I actually got over to England and played at a, a sort of a lower club in Wakefield. You know, my first year there, I um, I'd been sort of banished from the NRL, and 
and I, I reckon that first year over at Wakefield where we, I think we nearly nearly beat Leeds in an uh, uh, elimination semi. Um, it was probably close to my one of my better years and um, just realised that you had to work a lot harder and um, at, a, at a young age you sort of, you think it's all at your feet but, um, but definitely if I look back I could have done things a little bit differently. When the uh, when the 2006 season rolls around, it's it's a bit of a strange one for Parramatta. Um, I believe Brian Smith leaves halfway through the year. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a turning one that one, and um, I uh, I can't remember exactly what what would happen, but um, yeah, 2006 I think we uh, finished I think we finished eighth. Um, we just scraped in, and I snapped my collarbone had 12 weeks off and um, I'm back for the the last game up in um, I think it was North Queensland and um, yeah it was it was it was a, a bit of a downer compared to that first year but um, I suppose I should have learned then that like I said before you just had to work that extra harder because you know in the NRL they pick you up pretty quick. Mate uh, Jason Taylor came in as the interim coach that year he would have been a guy that I assume you would have looked up to when you uh, uh, were a young bloke coming through. H- how was your relationship with JT? So um, I think he coached me in Jersey Flag or one of the younger sides. And, um, you know, JT's a very smart coach himself, you know, and he was a very smart player. And, you know, he helped me a lot with, um, you know, obviously with the kicking and all that side of the, uh, the game. But, um, yeah, no, he... Uh, he was definitely a, a mentor for a few of us over at uh, Para. You know, I think Blake Green was um, pl- playing in the lower grades as well, and I, and I dare say he could have some good words t- to be said about JT. So, yeah, no, he was uh, he was a good coach, and he was a good mate off the field as well. 2007 rolls around, and you play the entire season. You play your 27 games um, pretty well, pretty, pretty deep into the finals. You end up getting beaten by Melbourne, who go on to win the premiership. You know, how did that year feel compared to 2005? Did, did you guys think you were better? Like, where, where, where were you guys at? Yeah, I, I, it was definitely um, a different side. You know, that 2005 side, I, I think when we um, decided to turn it on, I, th- I think, you know, we were we were pretty com- comfortable with, you know, that we were going to win. But um, in that 2007, we were more of a, a grinding sort of side, I thought. Um, and maybe not as much... Uh, you know, talent, but um, definitely, you know, we just we just grinded away and, and we got it done and, and we found ourselves, you know, in that prelim in Melbourne and um, I think uh, they only just pipped us down there at, um, I think it was Eddie had and, uh, yeah, so it, it was definitely one that just snuck away again, mate, you know, we, we could have we given it a good crack again and unfortunately, um, you know, as you said, Melbourne went on and, and won. You talk about becoming more of a grinding side. Did that have a lot to do with Michael Hagen coming in as coach? We hear, you know, that the the Queensland dynasty of those eight years, you know, Mal Meninga was coached, but they, they all say that Michael Hagen had so much to do with it. What sort of effect did he have on your side? Well, he, he had a big, um, you know, I still, you know, Hague's, um come in and obviously, you know, he um, was down there in Newey and, you know, when you've uh, been with working with the Johnses and the Badiruses and those type of. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Blokes, you know, you know a fair bit about the game. And um, um, yeah, he come in and, you know, Finchie was over there with me. And I um, think, yeah, it, it took a bit of time for us to start gelling, but um you know, Hayes is such a cool, cool, calm sort of guy and, um, you know, he just said, you know, it's going to take time and, you know, he was right in the end, you know, we got all the way to a prelim. So, um, yeah, he, uh, he was a good influence definitely on, on, the, on the club and myself. Your, uh, your halves partner that year, Brett Finch, I think he is an extremely underrated footballer. Um, you know, he's just, when the game's on the line, he always wanted the ball. He was more than happy to take the risks and wear the shit for it. How did you find playing with, with Finchie? Oh, mate, as you said, like, he, he's a larrikin off the field, but when it comes time to, um, you know, get it done, he um, he's very um, very old school in that way, you know. He um, he crosses that line and, and uh, we're into it. So, um, you know, he was a very uh, – he was just a competitor, I thought, you know. He, um, you know, he might not have had the – the most skills in the world, but, um, geez, he, um, you know, he just competed on everything and um, – I suppose that was uh, that's a trait that as a as a if I look back as a young bloke I would have liked to have more of you know I got it later on and yeah no definitely um very underrated that year the two of you uh, had a bit of coaching assistance from Joey Johns you know you mentioned earlier in the podcast that he he sprayed you when you were a uh, young bloke coming into first grade what was it like a few years later to be coached by him yeah um. I, I think I only got a few sessions because I ended up leaving para um, pretty early. I think it was in that 08. And, um, yeah, like I said, you, you just, you're just you a sponge when someone like that comes along. And, um, you know, I, I'd met Joey uh, beforehand. And, um, yeah, like definitely when you come out and you see the way he thinks about footy and all those type of things, you know, you take it in. And, um, yeah, it, it, like I said, it, it, you, you're stupid if you, if you don't take his advice on Tell me about the next year, 2008. I imagine one of the harder years of your career. Obviously, everyone everyone sort of knew what happened, you know. Um, things didn't work out well. And, um, yeah, I look back at it now and I, and I, and I suppose, you know, um, I was young and silly and all that type of stuff. But, um, you know, it happened and, and I can't really, uh, you know, can't take it back. So, just got to keep moving forward, mate. Just um, just over the last few days, and I've been just going back and reading a few articles and stuff, like, I, I guess people have got to sort of appreciate that as far as mental health, um, the mental health landscape goes in the world, like, it was a different world in 2008, wasn't it? It was, you know, and, um, you know, there wasn't much sort of said about it. Um, you know, I think um, when it all sort of come out, you know, I did... I had no idea what I was dealing with, um, you know, but um, it was a, it was a tough time. It's a bit of a tough time, but um, you know what I mean. We got through it in the end, and um, yeah, it was uh, yeah. You look at the NRL now and what they do around it. Um, they've definitely uh, come a long way. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, a bit of a tough time. Yeah. Mate, I, I sort of, you know, being the age I am and, you know, my first memory of a player sort of coming out and talking about mental health was yourself. Like, do you feel like you played a role in the progression of the game and of the stigma of mental health in Australia? Oh, I wouldn't say that, mate. I think, um, you know, obviously um, 
I came out for a reason. It was obviously taking its toll on me. Um, but um, yeah, I, I suppose, like you said, it, it's a lot of people come out now and, and say, you know, they've um, they've got mental health issues, and um, to see, you know, like no one should uh, have to go through the pain by themselves. And yeah, it's um, it's it's moved a long way, which which is a good thing. Before I ask you about your move to England after that, there's just one more thing I want to ask you about, uh, which I just, you know, j- just a strange situation that I was reading up on the other day. Tell me about your little run-in with uh, Michael Clark before you went over there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it wasn't even a run-in. I, I, I can't even – I couldn't believe it got blown out like that. I was just like, wow. But um, anyway, yeah, it was uh, it was a Sunday, Sunday Arvo and um, – we were all just down at, uh, in Cronulla there at the Northeast Hotel where we all used to go. And, yeah, it was it was funny because I think he uh, sort of – I still remember he accused me of doing something that I didn't do and um, he sort of gave me a bit of a push. And so I gave him a nudge back and then that, that was sort of it and um, the media just blew it all out of proportion. Yeah, mate, I, I, I actually read another interview with him sort of saying that he was shocked how far it got blown out of um, out of proportion, but I believe you got fined by the club and you really s- sort of copped the brunt of it. Well, I think at the time I'd, uh, I'd played up a, a little bit before and, you know, um, and, yeah, but like I said, it was it was blown out of proportion, but, um, you know, when sometimes when the media gets something, they just run with it. Tell me about the move to England in 2008. How did you find it over there? Um, yeah, so 2008, I went over there to Wigan and um, I uh, I went over there and um, Thomas Lulai and um, Trent Barrow in the hubs. I was just coming off the bench for most of that for that year and, um, yeah, we did quite well. I, I can't remember exactly how far we got through that year, but I know we got pretty far. I might have been a prelim again and um, it was just another another opportunity missed, you know. I made a bloody shitload of uh, prelims, but, um, yeah, that first year was good, you know. I had a good time. We enjoyed it. And um, my old uh, stepfather come around over there for a few weeks, and it was good. I got to play with some good players. Was it a blessing to get away from some of the media um, back here in Sydney? Yeah, definitely, you know. But in saying that, Wigan, Wigan's a very big uh, rugby league town over in England, so um, obviously the media wasn't as bad as... Uh, over here with their coverage, but um, there's still there was a lot of still a lot of talk about Wigan players and that. So um, yeah, you still had to sort of be on on your best behaviour behaviour there. So yeah, mate. The uh, the next time we saw you, you were um, playing for the Sharks. But I think that you know uh, a part of your life that not many people seem to uh, know about or remember is that you spent a bit of time um, in the Brisbane system. I just did a preseason with them uh, coming back um, from Wigan. And, um, uh, I forget what it was, it was 2010 uh, pre-season, I think it was. And, um, yeah, I did the pre-season up there and it, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was probably the fittest I ever ever was, you know, and um, just trained really hard, ran really hard and, um, you know, just got fit and um, felt really good. And um, obviously I was going to have to wait wait my opportunity up there, but, um, you know, the Cronulla Sharks uh come knocking on the door, and, and that's where I went. Tell me about your your year at Cronulla there. Like, I, I imagine coming back from England, there would have been a lot of eyes on you based on how you left. No, not so great, mate. It was probably the worst, probably two years of my uh, 
my rugby league, I reckon. Um, but, you know, I was lucky enough to um, to get coached by Ricky Stewart, who I've got um, probably the utmost respect for. You know, he gave me a chance. And, you know, probably one of my bigger regrets is uh, in rugby league is sort of, you know, not performing at that Sharks team because, you know, he gave me a chance and um, I probably didn't perform uh, to the standard that I should have, and and that was a, a big one. Um, you know, when Ricky left, I, I um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't happy with myself. You know, because I, I sort of I felt like I let him down. When you look at Ricky Stewart's uh, sides now, can you see the changes in him as a coach? Because I, I remember back in those days, you know, there was just he was constantly just blowing up, and there was a lot of sort of anger always on the sidelines. He seems to be a completely different bloke now. Where do you see him from your perspective? Um, I think um, for me, um, you know, with with Ricky, um, I knew straight away what type of person he was, uh, and um, he was up, he was honest, and and you could just tell he he just uh, he really um, I don't know what it was. I just got a good vibe from him, you know, and um, really just he looked after his players, you know what I mean, and and you know, I think for him now it just reaps the rewards he did early on. Um, I think he's got a really good team that, you know, he's assembled down there at Canberra. Canberra. And, um, yeah, I, made, I, was, I was rooting for, for them last year in the final and, um, you know, unfortunately they didn't get up. But, um, yeah, I hope for, I reckon this year they'll be up there again. And, and you know, that's through uh, hard work. And, and you know, I, uh, yeah, like I said, I've got a lot of respect for that man. Like, obviously he was one of the greatest halfbacks we've ever seen. And, you know, you... you as I'm talking to you, I'm realising how many great halfbacks you're in contact with. You know, you went through Jason Taylor, you had Joey, you had Ricky. Which of the three of them do you think helped you the most in your career as a halfback? Well, obviously, you know, early on it was um, it was JT. He, I was only, what, 17 or 18 when um, when I got there. Um, so, yeah, that helped. He helped me then. And then, obviously, I, I did have a lot to do with Joey, to be honest. You know, I needed a few sessions with him. So it was more just watching watching Joey on the TV and, and seeing what he was doing and, and, and trying to implement a few things into my my game that he was doing. But um, And then with Ricky as well, you know, it was the same thing. I, I didn't perform. I wasn't at the level that I should have been. And I knew uh, I could be at a, a better level and um, – so for, for with Ricky, it wasn't really. Uh, it was more a personal relationship than a than a footy one, I suppose. And um, so yeah, like I said, all three of them had their different perks. But um, when I was going through the the better years of my my rugby league, you know, it was sort of just the coaches I had at the time and, and myself doing and playing of what I thought was do, going well and and just doing that. Tell me, mate, when you now sit back on a Friday night to watch footy, which are the halfbacks that you enjoy to watch of the modern game? Um, I, I still, uh, you know, I, I like the way Piercy plays. Um, I think he plays a lot like the uh, old school sort of halfback, how we uh, used to play where we cover the, the whole field. And, you know, that's sort of how I like the uh, the halfbacks to play, you know. I suppose that's how I was taught, you know, the half is running around, you know, barking orders and, and you know, your six and your one both swing around the field following him. But um, definitely him. Um, I think who else have we got out there? I think Ash Taylor's got a lot of talent. Um, but, um, yeah, he's just in a bit of a spot at the minute. But, um, 
definitely uh, Mitchell Pearce is probably the one that I like watching at the minute, especially with his combination with um, um, Caelan Ponga. I watch Ash Taylor, you know, I just think he's got all the talent in the world and I feel like he's not he's not that far away from probably putting it together and, and becoming the star that he should be. H- how do you see Ash Taylor going over the next few years? Oh, well, it's a make or break sort of scenario for him, isn't it? You know, he, he's, he's got the big bucks and, um, you know, he showed, you know, what he can do. But, yeah, I, I think I've seen him. He said he had to get away from the game for a bit and, you know, hopefully he's gone away and, and done the right stuff. But, um, you know, he's just got to go out and play footy, mate. It's simple as that. That's what he gets paid for. And um, I'm sure he's doing those things. Tell me about your last few years of footy that you played uh, over in England. Oh, I loved it, mate. Enjoyed uh, every bit of it. Um, you know, I went over there and um, Richard Agar gave me a chance. And that's one coach that I probably did uh, repay in, in my footy. You know, I, um, you know, we were a, a lower tier club over there. And um, I suppose that first year over there, we were, he just signed a lot of misfits. And, um, you know, we just clicked and uh, we had a really good year. Um, like I told you earlier on, it was probably one of my, my better years in, in rugby league. And, um, yeah, just on and off the field, everything just worked, mate. It was a, it was a really good uh, combination, you know, amongst uh, players and coaches and stuff. When you said uh, there was a lot of misfits in that side, run me through uh, some of the fellas knocking about in that team. Uh, I think there, well, there was a lot of English guys over there that, um, you know, might have played up a little bit like myself and um you know Betty Kikane rings a bell um there was just a lot of guys that um were sort of on the fringe and couldn't sort of make a good fist to first grade and we all just got put in there together and and we we just made it work sort of thing and you know Agar was uh sort of an old school type of coach you know he'd been around with uh Peter Sharp for a long time they got on really well and he sort of just let me run the team and I think that's when um, I played my best is is when um, I just got free reign of that sword. Mate, we hear a, a lot of, um, of former footy players talking about when they retire, you know, they sort of struggle with that with that post-footy lifestyle. How did you mm-hmm. find it? Yeah, I did, mate. I found it tough for the, probably the first two or three years. And, um, you know, you, you look at a few, a lot of the, the, the big name players, you know, they go into commentary and, and all that type of stuff and all coaching and... You know, I, I didn't have that luxury. Um, I had to, I still remember, you know, I finished and on a holiday with the family for, uh, I think we went for three weeks to on the way home from England and, and I was straight into work, you know. I had a job with my brother-in-law and it was on the tools and off I went back to back into real life. And, um, yeah, it took me a while to get used to. Um, but now, you know, I'm, I've been in the industry for like nearly six years and, and you know, I'm enjoying life now. Um Enjoy not the, having the the just the week in week out thing of footy, you know. Um, I can just come home and um, see the family, and you know, my son's ten now, and he's playing a fair bit of AFL now. So um, the league isn't as strong down here, but uh, you know, he, he's a little little star down here. So um, who knows? So obviously, life in Melbourne, I guess, is there not as many people recognising Tim Smith down there? Oh no, no, you know, like I said, I've been out of the game for a long time, and yeah, there's there's not many people. There's probably no one that really uh, recognises me, except maybe a few of the Islanders. But um, but yeah, no, it's uh, 
yeah, it's a very quiet lifestyle down here where I am, and uh, yeah, it's good. Have you uh, have you been involved in any coaching or anything since? Um, I, I, I did a little bit with the uh, Storms um, under under twenties um, for two three years, and it was getting a bit hard, you know, um, you know, training them and working the hours that I'm doing, um, you know, and not seeing my family as much. I sort of had to uh, uh, just sort of bite the bullet and. Um, you know, um, pick one or the other, and you know, I went with work, and um, you know, that doesn't mean that I still don't watch footy, and you know, um, have a big interest in the game. Um, you know, uh, my halves partner of in the 2005, he's a head coach now. You know, Johnny Morris, and it's just good to see that people in that in that side and and players that I've done are doing so well. Tell me about your wife, Renee. She uh, she helped me set up this interview and, you know, just from the, the little that I spoke to her, she sounds like an absolute champion. Yeah, well, she stuck around, mate. You know what I mean? I haven't been the easiest bloke to probably live with, but, um, yeah, no, she's a, she's a good woman. Um, she looks after me and, you know, we've got two young kids as well, Slater and, and Blair and... Um, yeah, we're um, we're we're just enjoying life down here, which is good, and and, and we're just ticking along, mate. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for your time. I uh, congratulate you on everything you achieved in your career, and more importantly, everything you've achieved after, mate. You seem to have a lovely little family down there, and enjoying life. No worries. Thanks for that, mate. Cheers, brother. See you, mate. Thanks for tuning in again to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Uh, If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you subscribe, like, and share to all your mates. Uh, Big shout-out to Tim Smith for joining us today. Uh, Just a really champion fellow. I think he's been quite misunderstood over the last decade or 15 years or so. So really nice to have a chat with him and get a real understanding of the sort of bloke he truly is rather than the sort of bloke the media tells you he is. Uh, Big shout-out to his wife, Renee, too. Lovely lady. Uh, She set all that up for us. Tim spoke very highly of her in the interview, and I can only back that up about how great she is. So thanks, Renee. Champion effort. Thanks for tuning in once again. Remember to always kick the corners and keep playing smart footy. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.